1: So good to worship with you. Let's focus on the meaning of Easter. I'm going to share with you from Scripture out of two places, Mark's Gospel chapter 16 and John's Gospel chapter 20. Mark 16 says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early in the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. It was an angel. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And then in John chapter 20, it says in verse 26... Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Well, I heard this story about a husband and wife and the husband's stepmother, and they went on a vacation trip to Israel. And the stepmother was a mean cuss. I mean, she was not friendly at all. She was mean as a rattlesnake. She always was tough on her stepson growing up and just not a nice person to be around. Well, during their vacation in Israel, she died. And so the husband and wife went to a funeral home and made arrangements. And the the undertaker said, well, sir, here's how it goes. If you want to ship her body back to the United States, it's going to cost you about $10,000. But if you want to bury her here in Jerusalem, it'll only be 500 bucks. And the man, without hesitation, said, I'm paying $10,000, and I'm sending her back to the United States. And the undertaker said, well, with all due respect, sir, I mean, that's a lot of money. Why would you spend $10,000 when you could give your stepmother a beautiful funeral here in the Holy Land for just $500? He said, that's an easy answer. Because there was a man a long time ago who died and rose again, and I don't want to take any chances. <laughs> Well that is true, there is a man who died in Jerusalem, was buried, three days later he rose again, and we have gathered with millions of other Christians around the world to worship Jesus Christ who is alive forever and ever, amen. Now if he's alive forever and ever, then where actually is he? When he rose from the dead, where is he now since he is alive forever and ever? Well, the Bible records the eyewitness account that Jesus rose from the dead, that then he ascended into heaven after he appeared to people for 40 days. Then he ascended into heaven from which he came. And the Bible says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's coming again. But through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus, in effect, opened heaven for all of us. For as many as would believe and receive and trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, heaven has now been opened for all of us. It's the reason why he said in John 14, 19, Because I live, you also shall live. No one else made that claim. No one else in human history says, Because I live, because I rise from the dead, you also will have life after you die. Buddha didn't say it. Confucius didn't say it. Muhammad did not say it. They are buried in tombs or their ashes scattered in various shrines. Only Jesus is alive. Only Jesus. And if you... If you are here today and you identify as Buddhist or you identify as Hindu, we are glad that you are here. And we pray that you will trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are Muslim... We are glad that you are here. We pray that you will trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are Muslim, you know that Esau, Jesus, is considered a great prophet. But I tell you, he is more than that. Because even the Quran says in Surah 1933 that Jesus will arise from the dead. And in Surah 4, 158, it says, and Jesus would be taken up to heaven. Muhammad, he is dead and buried in Medina. Why do you follow a dead man? Follow Jesus. He's alive. And he loves you. Maybe you're here today just because, quite honestly, you were dragged here. Somebody you love and you love them, they kind of dragged you here, you're not really sure about these people, you kind of feel a little out of place, you're feeling like I'm not sure I fit in here, I know exactly how you feel. Not about being here, but there have been some places in my life where I've been dragged, every husband has. I love my wife enough that a couple years ago I bought her tickets to a Keith Urban concert because she loves Keith Urban. Keith Urban, by the way, he is an incredible musician, very gifted guy. But when we went to this concert, I got to tell you, I felt out of place. We're over at Meriwether Post Pavilion, surrounded by, and you know I don't like country music, surrounded by country music fans. (sighs) Please, Lord have mercy. I looked around this bunch. I just got to tell you, I mean, with all due respect, I know there's plenty of country music fans here, but There's some different people at a country music concert. They're just different. Let me just say to you, they're country all right? I saw one group of 32 people in a circle sharing the same ear of corn because they all together made up a full set of teeth. I mean, it was incredible. It was... I know that's terrible. Just pray for me. But actually, I I can get by with it because, you see, if you know my life too, you know that my, my family tree traces back to West Virginia. So, most of my family walks with a limp because we grew up on the side of a hill. I mean, we got got one leg longer than the other. In fact, my great, 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 great whatever, Rimfire, Eli Rimfire Hamrick, there's a statue of him at the state capitol in Charleston, West Virginia, Rimfire Hamrick, one of the first pioneers of West Virginia. So if I want to tell a few country hick jokes, I got the right. But I looked around at this concert and I said to Terry, I said, you know, these people, they're a little different, honey. I said, I don't really feel like I fit in with these people. She looked me straight in the eye and she said, Gary, these are your people. <laughs> it is true. But I know if you, if you feel a little out of place here, it's okay. You came because you love somebody. We do things for people we love. But I'm glad you're here too. We're all glad you're here. And we pray also that you would open your heart to Jesus Christ as well. Now, if you don't know too much about Easter in terms of what it really means, you're not alone. In fact, in a recent survey, 67% of Americans describe Easter as a religious holiday, 67%, but only 42% of Americans identified it with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Less than half of the American population, according to this survey, understood that Easter was really the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the survey, other non-religious reasons that people gave for the purpose of Easter, getting friends and family together, spring break, a time to die and hide eggs, an event for children to have fun, and an opportunity to enjoy food and candy. And enjoy food and candy we do, my peeps. <laughs> and I mean that both ways. My peeps, you get in a lot of peeps, don't you? Let me tell you how much peeps you are eating. The, the survey said that last year, Americans spent $2.1 billion on Easter candy. $2.1 billion buying 120 million pounds of candy. And on top of that, another $5 billion in Easter ham and other food. That's a lot of food and candy. So, in order for us to really understand the true meaning of Easter and what it's all about, We have to go all the way back to the first bachelor and bachelorette. At a time when life was simpler, and Adam only had one rose, and Eve truly was the hottest woman on earth. (laughs) And God created Adam and Eve and put them in paradise. I mean, literally, He created them, He loved them, He gave them everything. It was paradise. But unfortunately, Adam and Eve... Despite the fact that God had given so much, loved so much, done so much, they instead believed the lie from Satan that God is not good and that God is holding back on them. And so they rebelled against the Lord. They sinned against him. And when they did, sin entered effectively the whole human race. When Adam sinned, he corrupted the entire human race who would descend after him. Like all of us receiving, if you will, a cancerous gene that is killing us all it is the effect of sin it is the effect of rebellion against god that we shall all die and the bible makes it clear in romans three twenty three that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god meaning all of us are sinners and we've fallen short of the perfect standard of god only god is perfect all of us fall short In fact, it also says in Romans 3.10 that there is none righteous, no, not one. Not a single one of us can lay claim to being perfect or pure. Why? Because we're all sinners. We all sin by nature. We've received a sin nature because of our ancestor Adam, and therefore we're all in rebellion against God. And that's what the Bible says, but quite honestly, you don't even need to know the Bible to know that that's reality. All you need is an iPhone connected to the real world to see how at times it can be so cruel and corrupt. For that matter, to be quite honest, all we really need is a mirror. To look in a mirror, and if we have any honesty of a little, and a little self assessment, to realize that our thoughts and our behaviors are oftentimes pretty wicked, pretty evil, pretty wrong. And don't play that game of comparing yourself to somebody else that you think is worse than you just so that you can feel better about yourself. Look in the mirror. Have you ever deceived your husband? Have you ever lied to your wife? Have you ever rebelled against your parents? Have you ever cheated on your taxes? Have you ever stolen from your boss? Have you ever been prejudiced towards another race? Have you ever been jealous of another person? And by the way, if I didn't happen to mention your sin in that short list of examples, and you're sitting there thinking, that's because I'm fine. Well, that's pride. So welcome to the Sinners Club. (laughs) Because we all are. We all are sinners. And when man sinned against God, it broke fellowship with him. It broke relationship with him. But God was not content to allow mankind in this lost state. God was not content because of his love for us to allow us to remain distant from him. So here's what he did. He initiated a plan and a purpose to go after us, to win us over again. So that we might turn to him and the relationship might be restored. But here's the problem. The problem is that man's sin requires punishment. You see, because God is a just and a holy God. And God would not be just and holy if he let man's sin and rebellion go just overlooked or ignored. So there has to be consequences to man's sin and man's rebellion. Someone is going to have to step up, if you will, and take one for the team. Someone is going to have to be good enough and righteous enough and pure enough to say, I'll take the punishment for the sake of everybody else. Let them go and let them be saved. Kind of like how a captain will go down with the ship if it is sinking. And that captain will make sure everybody else gets on a lifeboat. And he will give up his own seat and go down with the ship just so that everybody else can be saved. Well, there's no captain good enough for the souls of humanity. There's no one person who is righteous enough, pure enough, who can pay the penalty for man's rebellion against God. And God even said this. He reflected it in Isaiah 63 5. He said, I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm worked salvation for me. Listen to what God is saying. He's saying, when I surveyed the landscape of humanity, trying to find even if there was one person who was good enough and right enough who could stand in the gap and pay the price for all humanity so that the punishment intended for us could be appeased, God said, I couldn't find anybody. He says, there's nobody who's righteous who could pay the price on behalf of everybody else like a captain of a sinking ship. So God said, my own arm works salvation for me. God said, I will come. And I will lay down my glory of heaven and I will come to earth. And so God took on flesh. The Bible says... And He tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, that God actually came into our world, took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, through the miracle of the virgin birth, through Mary comes God into our world, and He enters our world, and He breathes our air, and He experiences our pain, and He dies for our sin. He said, there's no one who's good enough to be able to do this. So I will come because of my love for humanity. I will come to restore the fellowship that was broken back in the garden. I myself will die for the sins of the world. And that's what Jesus Christ does when he comes to lay down his life. Nobody took Jesus' life from him. Jesus gave it of his own accord. He came and he suffered and he died for us. That whole last week of Jesus' life was full of suffering. Even before he gets to the cross, his friend betrayed him. All his followers abandoned him. He was arrested under false charges. He was beaten, the Bible says, beyond recognition, so physically disfigured from the beating that he sustained, you couldn't even recognize him. And then he was nailed to a Roman cross. And he did it all because of his love for you and me. In fact, that's the very reason why Christ went to the cross. In a word, love. The Bible says in Romans 5 that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is His love displayed on the cross for you and me. He gave His life to restore the fellowship that was broken so that you and I could have life through faith in His name. This is what Easter is all about. But He didn't just die, and that's the end of the story. Psalm 1610 says that God would not abandon Him to the grave or let His Holy One see decay. And so God miraculously raised Jesus from the dead... There are eyewitness accounts of it, not just in the Bible, but in history recorded the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because he lives, he says, you live. In other words, because of what Christ has done for us, we too can live resurrected lives. We can live new lives. This is important to understand because do you know that the Bible says about us, apart from Christ, that we are dead, we are dead. Ephesians 2.1 says we are dead in our transgressions and sins. We are dead. I mean, it really is true. As I look out around, I see dead people. I mean, I do. <laughs> look at me, dead people walking. It is the reality of the human condition. We are dead apart from Christ. Ephesians 2.1, we are dead in our transgressions and sins. We're dead people. It reminds me of the story of this 85-year-old lady who was widowed and decided to get back in the dating scene. She's 85 years old, and she was set up on a blind date with a 92-year-old man from her church. She went out on the date with the guy, and then she came home. She's all frustrated, and her daughter said, Mom, what's wrong? She said, I had to slap him three times. The daughter said, Mom, did he get fresh with you? She said, No, I just kept thinking he was dead. (laughs) Well, the truth is we're all dead. It has nothing to do with age. We are all dead people. There is an emptiness in the soul of every human being. The dead life that we live is this empty existence apart from God. It is why Pascal said that in the heart of every human being, there is a God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled by God. And unfortunately, too many people in the world have gone in search of various things to try to fill the God hole, to try to fill the emptiness in their lives, to try to make their dead lives feel alive. And some very successful and accomplished people, by their own testimony, have said things that are examples of just how dead and empty they feel. Let me share a few examples with you. Howard Stern, the shock jock DJ of Sirius XM Radio, a man by earthly standards who would be very successful in terms of career and money. He just recently signed a $400 million contract with Sirius XM Radio. He makes on average $80 million a year presently. He was asked once by Newsweek magazine, before it folded, are you happy? Howard Stern answered, quote, I've never been happy a day in my life. Rolling Stone magazine more recently interviewed him. The reporter asked, you have a beautiful wife. You're on the radio 24-7. You make a lot of money. You are famous. Are you happy? Quote Howard Stern, I don't know. That's so complicated. There is an anger inside of me. Once in a while, I can douse it with some water, but it just never goes away. I don't know how to get rid of it. End quote. Similar statements by Johnny Depp, a well-known actor, probably most familiar for his role as Jack Sparrow in the Pirate of the Caribbean movies. He's also got a net worth $400 million. He can claim $100 million bucks per movie these days. He recalled his troubled childhood and how he never really experienced the ultimate success that filled his life when he said this, quote, You grow up a bit damaged or broken, and then you have some success, but you don't know how to feel good about the work you're doing or the life you're leading. You feel empty, end quote. Or listen to these sad words from Brad Delp. He was the lead singer of the rock band Boston he committed suicide about 10 years ago. And Brad Delp pinned to his shirt his little suicide note that simply read this, I am a lonely soul. All of these kinds of things, folks, are just the description of the same human condition. We are dead and we are empty apart from God. We are dead in our transgressions and sins, Ephesians 2.1 says. But listen to the rest of the passage, Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 10. expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and this, the gift of God, not of works so that nobody can boast. Look at what he says. He says, God has effectively, because of what Christ has done for us and because how Christ has risen from the dead, God says, I will raise up your dead, empty lives through Christ and you will experience a newness of life through faith in Jesus Christ. And God says, it is a gift. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to work our way to heaven. God says, I love you enough that if you will come to me, I will raise up your dead life and replace your emptiness with my presence. Replace your deadness with my life. I will give you what you cannot have uh, on your own. I will give you new life in my son, Jesus Christ. That's what God came to do for us, friends. In 1965, Winston Churchill, the famous Prime Minister of Great Britain, he died in 1965 at the age of 90. Before he died, he gave meticulous instructions about his funeral. And one of the things that he required was that at the end of his funeral, there were to be two buglers positioned high in the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral in London. The first bugler at the end of the funeral service played taps. It was that old military tune signaling the end of the day. And for Winston Churchill, it was the end of the day. But just as taps finished and the sound was still ringing in the dome, the second bugler began to play his tune. And it was Reveille, that military tune that sounds the beginning of a new day, that it is a new morning. In fact, Reveille is from a French word, revier, which means to wake up. Ephesians 5 24 says, wake up, O sinner, rise from the dead and let Christ shine on you. It was a great mixture. One bugle played the end of the day. Another bugle plays. It's the beginning of the day because for a Christian, death is just a passage. It is going from this life. It's the close of a curtain, the end of the day. It is waking up immediately in the presence of the Lord. It is a new day. And some of you don't know what that is, but you can receive it today. You can receive a new life through Jesus Christ. You can have your old life exchanged for a new life. You can have your dead life resurrected and it can be a new day for you. Let Easter be a new day for you.
2: You've been listening to a special Easter message shared by Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. To learn more about this radio ministry, please visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can download today's teaching or subscribe and even watch the original message from Pastor Gary. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from Pastor Gary. To subscribe, log on to CornerstoneConnection.cc and click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for Cornerstone Connection in the iTunes store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 703-771-1500. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at CornerstoneConnection.cc. When you contact us, please let us know how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us smell the Lord's direction for this ministry. Thanks for joining us for this special Easter edition of Cornerstone Connection. It's our hope and prayer that this Easter season is a blessing to you and your family. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know you're not a